I'm Tim Crosby. Welcome to episode 54B. Sean, we're going to do the the final wrap on the Victorian Track and Field Championships conducted over the previous uh, two weekends. Throwing a bit of focus now on the vertical jumps, which is high and pole, and then the throws and the sprints. We're going to be joined by Mark Stewart for the vertical jumps, Marty Jackson for the throws, and then Matt Carter for the sprints. That's not a bad lineup, is it, Sean? It's a pretty strong uh, set of coaches to, to pick the brains of. Yeah, and some entertaining characters as well. So some good conversations yet again, you know, 20 to 30 minutes each. It's uh, it's a nice way to, to dig a little deeper into those events uh, from those who know, and uh, it really were some great conversations. So, so I hope everyone enjoys uh, episode 54B. Mark Stewart, welcome. Let's talk all things... Vertical jumps, I do get mixed up between my vertical and horizontal, but uh, we're talking vertical, which means going up. Going up means high jump and pole vault, so welcome, Mark. Thanks very much, Tim. All right, now our very good friend, Sandro Bassetto, has sent through some uh, details of the high jump. I'm not going to throw you under the bus with the high because you probably weren't even there watching it. Um, we've asked for a top three from uh, from Sandro from the high jump competition, which was weekend number one. And his top three have come through as Harry Orr. Uh, he was the clear leader in the under 16 rankings at the moment. Uh, we'll continue to develop this year under the guidance of Martin Shepherd, who also coaches a squad of high jumpers so so that was a really good one 191 there for harry or to take out the 16s his number two was polly dean jones who i also uh, put a line under that name as well so she's ranked two nationally in the under 18s and she's another exciting young talent in the victorian high jump stocks so she's coached by jeff lang uh, who's got another group of very strong jumpers and that would be at glenn huntley so polly dean jones 175 she gets the number two and sandro has put in his number one as lachlan o'keefe so he got a 202 clearance he's ranked fourth nationally in the under 18s but he's only 16 this year so showing a lot of promise. He's with Paul Cleary up in Ballarat. So Lockie's a hard worker and his results are indicative of his dedication to training. So O'Keefe, you know, obviously would be training then with UL Reef when UL turns up for training uh, and under Mr. Cleary up there in Ballarat. Uh, Joel Baden, yeah, look, won't go past him because um, – Good performance there. He's still just coming back. He's not off the full run-up yet. And Joel had a um, 221, I think, to take the title. And he did win the Men's Open. And I will just go through the um, the full results there in the Men's and Women's Open high jumps. The Men's Open, Baden taking it 221. UL Reef, the Ballarat YCW jumper, he got 215. Had a couple of goes at 218 or three goes at 218 and, and didn't clear. He's the one who got the 220 up at the country champs in uh, Ballarat in January. Manjula Wijasekera from Melbourne University, he came in third with 202. So that was the men's open high jump. The women's open high jump results... And we had a win there to the multi-eventer, Rachel Lindbergh from Box Hill, 171. Olivia Jones from Melbourne University, uh, 168 in second. And Madison Alexander, also from Melbourne Uni, in third in one with a 162 clearance. Another little shout-out I think I'll give will be to Matt Merrilies, uh from South Coast. He got a 204 to take out the under-20s. Couldn't quite replicate it in the open competition, but 204 there for... Um, 
the four Merrilees was a good clearance in the under-20s and possibly a PD, PB there for him. So that's the high jump. A little bit of a wrap there. Thanks to Sandro for that. So, Mark, let's now move on to pole vault. And you're going to give us your what you believe to be the top three performances and also some honourable mentions. Let's oh, go. I shall do that. Yes, no problem at all. And great work, Sandro and Tim, for the high jump. First thing I actually want to say is that if you added up the number of competitors across all of the competitions, you got to 70 pole vaulters for the weekend. So that's an awful lot. It's not actually 70 individuals because athletes were allowed to do open as well as their underage, and there were a couple of the good underage performers that did that. But we had a very large number of vaulters, so that's a lot of jumping, a lot of hard work for the officials and all of those sorts of things. So Yeah, yeah some quite long days there, weren't there, Mark? What's the normal number you might get at, a, say, a good rare air? How many jumpers? Are you getting the 30, oh, 40, 50? At... Yeah, you can get that. Uh, it's 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 We've... Before Christmas, we were breaking it up across three different venues for COVID-type reasons. But if we all do come in together and if we can do it at Melbourne Uni where we've got two pits going the same way, we usually get 40 to 50 bolters or so. It's pretty um, healthy, isn't it? It's healthy competition. Yeah, there's more people coaching. See, there's at least half a dozen people coaching around, the, like in Melbourne and also in, in Bendigo and Ballarat. Uh, so, there's yeah, there's a lot of, lot of good groups and pretty good. In fact, I'd say very good camaraderie amongst the coaches and uh, and and the vaulters, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood is what we're looking uh, for. It, well, you know, as you know, I, I often get down there at uh, Zatapec night, and it's it's one of the highlights is wandering out to watch that uh, pole vault comp at Zatapec while all the distance runners are going round, round, and round. There's a lot of fun yeah. being had, even in COVID times this year too. I felt the atmosphere was still very good at that pole vault comp. Yeah, yeah, it is. It'd be nice if we can do it without restrictions because we had to keep people, you know, restrict numbers. But anyway, we'll see that. In the future. So you, you, you wanted one, two, three, best performances for the weekend. Yep. Well, Let's start at three and move to one. Well, I'm just going to do the honourable mentions first. Yeah, all right, start right. there. Go yeah, for well, it. What I wanted – go on. Uh, first person I wanted to mention is a young girl, 13 or 12-year-old, 13-year-old, Talia Grace. She jumped – won the uh, – she jumped three metres for the first time. And one of the reasons – so she's the best 13-year-old in the country by some probably – I would think at three metres – but it's just she's the first mother-daughter pole vaulter that I know of in Australia because her mum, Danielle, was a pole vaulter and uh, Talia is doing very well. She competes for Doncaster and Peter Rook is, is, is her coach. So, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. But well, I suppose quite... when, we, when we look at the history now, Mark, of the pole, when did it become an internationally ranked event for women? When did they uh, start? The was it Emma George? Yeah, the world record was was first officially recognised by the then IWF in 1995 <clears throat> and uh, held by Sun Kaying, who was the Chinese girl, and then Emma broke the world record after that. First uh, world championship was 1997, which was the world indoors in Paris. Great. So uh, we are seeing that next generation now coming through. Yeah, yeah, 20-odd years down the track, and so there's yep. some girls have been vaulting and their daughters all sons or whatever or <laughs> that sort of thing. There's quite a lot of father-son or things, but this is um, the first one that I'd seen. So, yeah, an honourable mention. Now, the other person I wanted to mention is Aranya Manakanyaka. Can you say that for me, Tim? Mantanayaka. Mantanayaka. Sorry, you did it yep. much better than me. I got it re- ready in the warm-up, but didn't do so well <laughs> in the comp. I apologise. Well, yeah, hopefully your athletes do better than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, she... Actually, she's a dual citizen Australian Sri Lanka, and she broke the Sri Lankan number under seventeen and under eighteen national record. 
which was something that uh, I thought was worth mentioning. Uh, David Thompson coaches her, and she's from out at Nunna Wadding. Yep, I was going to oh, go on. Yeah, and I, I suppose Anula would be very excited by that. Oh, beyond, yeah. beyond excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of honourable mentions. Uh, now, if I go into th- my one, uh, three, three, two, one, or whatever it is, well, there are three vaulters that attempted World Junior qualifyings over the weekend, and so they're going to be my three, two, ones. They all didn't quite get there, but got very close, and I would hope they all would uh, get them at some time in the immediate future. And I just will mention it has been incredibly difficult for the pole vaulters because we had five months where pole vaulting was banned in Melbourne throughout last year, and then we've had limited competitions over the summer for reasons that we all know about. Um, and so it is not been straightforward getting people to jump and all that sort of thing. So anyway, I'm just saying that these these three vaulters attempted World Juniors qualifying and got pretty close. So my number three will be Alicia Kensol. Now, she jumped 3 metres 99 to win the under 20 ladies and then just missed at 407. And she's only had, it's only a second competition, I think, back from, She's had a navicular stress fracture. She's a hugely talented girl, coached by uh, Bill Georgiantis, um, and she competes for Diamond Valley. And uh, yeah, I, was she know, off yeah. a limited run-up mark, or was she uh, off full she run-up? Was, yeah, she wasn't on a full run-up, but she was off a me- intermediate type run-up. Right. She doesn't have to go for too far to jump really high. I mean, she's yeah, well. She's you know, got a she's PB got... of four seventeen, hasn't she? So we know she can get up there, but yeah. uh, she probably just needs a few more comps under her belt. Well, yeah, she just needs a little bit more training, really, because she's only yeah. she's only been jumping for about two years, and half of that was COVID, uh, not able to jump. So, you know, she's a uh, yeah yeah very very big talent. Uh, my number two would be Olivia Gross. Now she jumped four meters to win the Open Women's Comp, and then attempted four oh seven and was very close. The only reason I put her ahead of uh, Alicia is because she jumped four metres and Alicia jumped three metres 99. <laughs> so obviously that's a little bit higher. Now she's from uh, Geelong and Hamish Nielsen coaches her. And again, she's a very talented girl, as you you know, from an older sister, a uh, very good sprinter and lives a very good sprinter. And again, I would think that, and she's yeah. you know, getting her act together. And the reasoning for that 399, which is that little bit of an odd distance, is that the officials were sort of navigating their way to get to the 407, weren't they, in sort of logical right. increments? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how Whereas in the other open women's comp, it just went by the zeros or the fives and then bang up to, to four metres. Yep. Yeah, well, she wouldn't – had she not uh, won the comp, she would not have been allowed to attempt 407 uh, if there was someone else in the comp. Um, Correct. Yep. Yeah. So she would. Yeah, have so to one, just once the, so the rule there, Mark, is once you've won it, you then choose your heights, don't you? Correct. In consultation with the official, but if the competition yep. is still live, you've just got to go with whatever the heights have been yep. predetermined at. Otherwise, it'd be too much tactical passing, and yep. you know, if you're ahead on a count back, you'd want it to go up by a meter, wouldn't you? Because then, uh, correct. <laughs> the next, yeah. The competition yeah. No one else can go. Started. Yeah. That's yep. right. So. And my number one for the weekend best performance was uh, Wilson Cram. Wilson also coached by Bill out, uh, and uh, uh, he jumped a huge PB, four meters ninety, to win the under twenty boys, and then attempted five meters ten the World Junior qualifying. That's a great result, and he's he's only seventeen as well, so I'm pretty sure he's out. Well, we'll see what happens with the World Juniors, but he's able to do um, this. He's eligible for the next ones if they happen on schedule. 
Oh, that's Watson. great, that's isn't it? That's a great result. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he came in with a PB of 470, I believe. So then yeah. he's got the new PB at 490, and then he's attempting 510. So 470 is old PB to suddenly doing, you know, going for the 510. That's 40 centimetres. That's, that's, a, that's a big yeah. step up, isn't it? He yeah. seemed to handle it pretty well, didn't he? Yeah, he's 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 he's, uh, he's the business. He's the goods. He could he could jump pretty well. And Bill's looking after these these guys really well. So uh, yeah, and I'm pretty sure he'll be able to do world junior qualifying at some point uh, in the future. He's, he seems to have grown about a foot in the last since last middle of last year. So that obviously helps a bit. So yeah, yeah they're, my, they're my three two ones. Uh, that's what I would suggest in, in terms of over the weekend. Yeah, it um, was entertaining competition. I was down on the deck for the Open Women's and it was, yeah, it was fun being down there too. I really enjoy getting down and, and calling it sort of jump by jump and just watching the dynamics and listening to you yelling instructions and things like that. It's, uh, it is good fun down there and, you know, Warren yeah. and all. It's, it's, a, it's a, oh, you know, yeah. the coaching group down there is, is quite entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few personalities amongst, them, amongst Yeah, us. definitely <laughs> are. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. All right, I'll just give a wrap now of the, the men's Open competition and we had a three-way tie on 490, so it went to the countback. And the winner, our Open champion, Dalton DiMedio, uh, he had the first up clearance at 490, so he got the gong. They all went to the five-metre height, but uh, the three of them then failed at that. So Joel Pocklington, still around, isn't he, Mark, and still jumping well. So oh, yeah, he's been advantaged by the lockdown, to be quite honest, because it doesn't. He, he still trains, I can tell you. He does stuff, he doesn't, but he, he doesn't have enough time to come and jump as much but he'll never forget out of pole vault so um, no he's... no he's always talented so he <laughs> yeah. had a third attempt clearance at 490 uh yeah. also going over on the third go at 490 was liam harris uh, also box hill so it was the box hill trifecta there great um h.h hunter point score there for box hill in the pole vault as always I, i'm glad you mentioned that and i didn't but anyway i was going to draw people's attention to it but that's fair enough yeah <laughs> Let me do it as, as an impartial yeah, witness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then uh, so uh, Dalton got it on the count back with that first up and then uh, Joel uh, got it because he was, oh, God, we've got to go back a while here. Um, oh, I can't still read few, these few sheets properly. Fewer misses. Yeah, fewer misses. Okay, fewer misses. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Sebastian Reinecke wasn't too bad either at 470 with James Woods. Um, yeah, Woods is coming along nicely, isn't he, James Woods? Oh yeah, again, he's another one who who's you'd expect to be fighting for the world junior qualifying very soon. He's a good athlete, high jump two oh one, I think, the previous week. Uh, did very good decathlon as well, and that's what you want. A good pole vaulter is never just a good pole vaulter. They're a yeah, good athlete, no, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. they're a, then they're a good pole vaulter. So yeah, he's and Pete Pete Barrett's doing a terrific job looking after him up in Bendigo. So, Certainly yeah. is, um, yeah. and it's great to see Pete involved at that level with that type of athlete. And he's done it before in different. You know, the beauty of Pete, he's done it in all these different event groups. You know, he's oh, not he's just amazing. a specialist. Yeah, yeah no, he's he, he really. You know, I think he's just got get, that military he, precision. Peter. That's his background. <laughs> he has. It Former is. army, and he 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 does things in a very rigorous way. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, and it's it is working. So let's not uh, stop yeah. that. So. Oh, no, uh, no. Open women's, so as you mentioned, Olivia Gross, the smiling Olivia Gross. I don't have you ever seen her not smiling, Mark? Uh, I think when she now she, she was a bit grim, but yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, she did she's doing jumping much better than she was last year. Yeah, no, it's good to see her back and jumping well. So she took the Open Women's, and that would be her first Open title. So four-metre clearance on the first effort too. That was a lovely vault, that one. Um yeah. had the three goes at 
Sorry, Mark. Yeah. I was just going to, and she is an under twenty. Like she could have jumped in yeah. the under twenty as well. So she's a world junior qualified athlete. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll just never thought I'd mention that, even though she won the open ladies. Correct. Yeah. Well, quite a few of these that we're going to mention here under twenties as well. Had the three goes at the four oh seven, which is the under twenty mark. Mm-hmm. Virtually all of them were identical, I thought, the way she approached and then hit. She seemed to be just hitting with the thigh as she went over. Well, that was my view anyway. I'm not sure what you saw from the sidelines. Oh, so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's it's always getting the height in the right spot with pole vault. So it reminds, there's a number of things, getting the stands in the right place and being on the right pole with the right grip. And um, mostly vaulters don't miss it because they don't jump high enough. They almost always mm. miss it because they don't get the height in the right spot. So it's yeah. it's just it adds to the flukiness of it but anyway hopefully it'll come together i'm sure it will actually she's going well yeah she is going well and um good coach there too in mr nelson now georgia yeah. taylor uh she was second uh so a tie for second at 380 uh but on on actually was a tie in total i believe it was so a tie. A yeah tie. georgia taylor and grace bath they tied for second not yeah. separated by misses or anything like that on the way through. And they both cleared 380, uh, three attempts at 390, each of them are not getting over. Georgia had a bit of a, I think, fell on the bar at one stage, Mark. Was that a bit oh, of a... Maybe, a yeah, I think yeah. she did have a bit of a bit of a ding. But she, she also won the under 18. She's only 16, so she's yep. a very young girl. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, and yeah. Grace, Grace has been around for a little while, but she seemed to be going quite nicely. Grace, Martin. she's jumping well. She jumped three ninety a little earlier in the year, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, three eighty five, I think. Was oh, it three eighty five? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she came so, up no, with PB at three eighty five. Yeah. Cassidy Bradshaw just seemed a little bit out of sorts, I think, in that comp. Yeah, she didn't have a good weekend for whatever reason, but and that happens. Yep. Yeah. Another one, I think, uh, I'm not sure if you saw what happened, but I think Tamara Mancuso, our reigning champion in the open pole, she had a bad um, come down on the on the bar, I think, and seemed, her back seemed to be right out. So yeah, Tamara, she I think, yeah, 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 she excused herself and came out of the comp. So so she came out at 360, tied there with uh, Alana Green from Kielsen yep. Bernards. So, yep. so it looks some good competition, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was some you good know. competition. But I want to just, if I can mention one more thing before, we finish if that's yeah, okay go. i want to uh, mention that Catherine Ianello uh has decided to stop jumping uh now she's been probably close to 20 years has been a very good bolt former state champion has competed at the national levels for many years lovely girl and uh coached by warren hill at melbourne uni and she uh has told everyone that's it she's obviously got other things she needed to do in her life and pole vaulting uh when you're in your I won't say the age, it's impolite for a lady, but, yeah, she's obviously been jumping for 20-odd years and she only started really as a senior so, uh, or, or I think as a late teenager. So, um, yeah, so I'd, it's just a great credit to her and Warren for the many years of, of vaulting and very, very good results and being, uh, you know, positive role model for everybody around at the track and the vaulters and, uh, and she's helped coach as well and all of those sorts of things. So I hope she's gets involved in coaching i think she does have some views to do that there's some ideas to do that at some point in the future as well yeah so no just, kath's uh, been a great contributor to pole vaulting certainly in my uh, time in the sport which is now getting fairly long uh, yeah. and i 
they should have probably let us know because it would have been nice to just give that extra shout out because uh, the way she approached the comp, she had the clearance at 340 and then she passed all the way up until four metres and she had, uh, oh, she had sorry, she had uh, two attempts at 360 at fails and then decided I'm sitting this out till the bar hits four metres and as I called it down on the deck, it was she was going for the Haleberry pass there to try and get over up and over four and it really had the crowd going, didn't it? What a way yeah, to yeah, end your yeah, competitive yeah. career. Just go for that big one at four metres. Uh, be the second last jumper in the comp and good on calf very good all right mark thank you so much for that that's a nice little summary of our high jump and pole vault from the vic champs and things are looking very good in your event group and we look forward to some great competition leading through to nationals and beyond thank you so much tim thanks for the opportunity marty jackson competing throws athlete also now quite a coach of renown uh, in the throws. Good to have you back on the podcast. You entertained us immensely uh, not so long ago uh, as you came on for your first uh, experience, and it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me back. I obviously didn't uh, muck up too much the first time. You didn't upset us and you didn't say anything too inappropriate. Uh, so, yeah, it is good to have you back on, Marty. Uh, well respected in the throwing world and, yeah, obviously your your career, your personal career, your ambitions towards, um, you know, Paralympics and things like that. And now the coaching side, how are you finding the coaching going? I'm really enjoying the coaching. So I have coached um, in American football before athletics. So, um, but it's good to be coaching again and just um, – breaking down movements. It's also helping me as an athlete as well because it, you have to um, reiterate it quite a few times and you start to pick up technical positions as you say them. So I, I can see that uh, both Angus and I are benefiting from the relationship. So it's, yeah, it's working Different out well. going from team environment to individual sport, I can imagine, from NFL where you've got an NFL is not just one team, you've got multiple teams that you've got to control. Yeah, I mean, in American football, it is most certainly a team environment, but you break it down into um, position specific. So each of those have their own um, mechanics, they have their own requirements. Um, so you can actually, when you're coaching in American football, you'll break it right down um, to the skills of the position. So um, you're almost a multi faceted coach in that space it so, is isn't it yeah. yeah yeah whereas with you and what which disciplines are you coaching in within the throws though are you specific to what you do with the with the shot yeah so at this point just a shot and probably a little bit of discus and that as well so we've got a few of the kids coming up through little athletics that are joining me um as they see fit so nothing nothing formal at this point but it, it's good to get some work in with the young kids and and just you know, allow, let them throw and then see if you can find little opportunities for them to improve. So, um, good, yeah, I haven't had a lot of experience. Yeah, good, good throws community though in Geelong, isn't it? It is. It is starting to build actually. So it's not as lonesome as it once was. Yeah, but you have got your specialists in Hammer as well. So, you know, I think you're covering most bases down there and it has, is, has always been known as a good place to actually throw down at Lady Field. Are you coaching there or do you go out to Corio as well? Uh, so I'm, I'm actually part of the Northern Bay um, College. They've got a seed program, which is like a sporting program. So each Friday I'm actually popping out there and coaching different age groups of school kids just in the shot put. Um, and there's like a bit of a round robin. So we it's about 20 minutes, just really getting the basics. But the schools are starting to look for standout 
kids in those areas. So some of them really pick it up quite early. And it's interesting, you know, like some of the kids that may have some behavioural issues within school are some of the kids that are doing quite well in the throws. They, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real standout um, opportunity for them to show a little bit of that strength and that, and it allows them to focus. So that was something that I have noticed and, I mean, really enjoying it. So might keep that going. That sounds fascinating, actually, because it's probably uh, an avenue for them to channel, you know, strength, aggression, frustration. Yeah, and it brings them, brings them back. I mean, they have to be able to do that, but it's in that control. You know, shot puts a technical um, yeah. sport. That, um, no, it's not. You just pick up a ball and throw it. <laughs> yes, and yell at it a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you do the Ned Weverly and you scare it to go a bit further. All right, enough of this. We could talk all night about this rubbish. Um, but it's not rubbish. It's a good topic and uh, probably something we'll talk to you more about in the future. But uh, let's let's focus now on Victorian Championships. It was a couple of good weekends, uh, climatically a little bit different between the two. You were there weekend one and then just an observer at uh, weekend two. What I'm going to hit on you for now, though, is from three to one, as one being the best, what were the, your standout performances? You can even, some of them have been going fours and honourable mentions, so I'm not sure if you've got those, Marty, but three, two and one, what were the best performances you saw in across the four throws, which is discus, jab, shot and hammer? Oh, across the three. Okay, so I think in the hammer. Well, sorry, you can just three standouts right across. Oh, three standouts? Yeah. Yeah, 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 rather than each discipline. Look, first up, I think um, it was great to see Mackenzie uh, Miltrak back out there again. Uh, She started quite, um, you know, she wasn't quite hitting the the straps and was a a little bit off, but she managed to regain um, on the weekend and, and hit a PB in the under 20 women's with a 51.91, which is a world under 20 qualifier as well. But it was really about the way she, um, you know, regained her focus towards the end of that competition and was able to um, hit the technical positions that she needed to. And she went on to follow that up the next day as well in the open win. You're just stealing my thunder there. But 51.91 to get that world under 20 mark in the under 20 comp and then um, she, we will go over all the winners in the open soon. But Mackenzie came out the next day and threw 51.89. So that's consistency and she actually won the women's open jab as well. So That's and, great to see. Uh, that. Steve yeah. Kane's yeah, It is great it. to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so she's been around quite a while, hasn't she, Mackenzie? And it's um, working with Steve Kane, I believe. Yeah. No, I think they've got a pretty good relationship and it's um, working out well for her. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's your number three. Here's number two. Uh, excellent to see Mr. Damien Birkenhead back over 20 metres. Um, Cario uh, Colossus. Stoked to see that. Um, he's like, looks like he's starting to hit his straps. You can see they've been working on um, some new uh, technical positions and it's really starting to come together. You can see the timing um, in his throws uh, in week one there. So I think he went 20-48. Um, yeah, big difference between that and the uh, country champs where the timing wasn't quite there. But, yeah, he looks like he's got a lot more in the bank there. He's gone two comps over 20 metres now because he followed that up on the weekend, just gone, um, I think it was up in Canberra, with a 20-31. Yeah. Were you part of that comp, Marty? Were you in that open shot as well no no only competed in the um men's ambulant but uh mm-hmm. it was good to see the, the guys out there again so hopefully we can start to build a few more numbers in that comp um yeah 
It was on – we conducted that one on the outside of Lakeside Stadium. Um, I think we had a camera out there following, I think, for live stream. Uh, am I right there? Or Yeah, correct. The, it, it was a um, pretty good live stream, actually. It was good to see the, the shot focus because um, quite often, obviously, you, you pick up the shot put in the middle of a, a race and will pan back to it. Yep. But, yeah, it's um, yeah, great it to get that support. Yeah, it's dedicated and, you know, yet again, you know, Lockie Rayner and the team with the live stream are just doing an amazing job. We're getting a lot of plaudits and a lot of feedback about the live streaming and, and obviously the commentary as well. Uh, but it's been, uh, you know, we've been getting some, you know, and look, the constant thing I hear is thank God that Victoria's doing this and doing it so well. Yeah, so, you know, pat on the back to AV and, and Glenn Turner for, for driving this, but gee, Lockie Rayner and just his investment in the live stream over the last few years and then taking it to new levels each time with the fibre optics and the back straight, back straight cameras and, as you saw, the dedica- dedicated camera on the shot put comp in the outside of the stadium. What was the crowd like out there? Did you get much for the open comp? Uh, so I was actually watching the live stream. I was on the way back for recovery. So I was in the recovery <laughs> ice bath. Um, yeah, got back and got into the recovery ice bath and had the had the mm. live stream running. So I had yeah, the best of, of both worlds. We've toyed with that. Yeah, we we believe that you know a good shot competition where you've got everyone fired up and throwing high. And I've been down there when this has happened a couple of times. That is, it is magic and it would be great to have uh, on the sort of the V of the shot to have crowd actually there supporting is one thing we have talked about and uh, hopefully we'll do at some stage. Imagine that if you're throwing in the ring and you've got a crowd on either side. Yeah, absolutely. I think like New Zealand do that really well. They do those street shot competitions. Yep. Um, the US, there's some competitions there. But that that's the stuff that really builds hype and that's where big throws are going to come from. Um, so it'd be good to look into that and see if we could make that happen in the future. Yeah, we, we do talk about it. we just got to do it. And probably it's like anything, Marty. We just probably need the throws community saying, okay, we're up for this and we're going to guarantee we're going to get people on the on the lines there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get it happening. So definitely something to talk. You know, obviously we've got a few OH&S issues to, and, and COVID. Oh, God, dear COVID. It's uh, putting a stopper on a lot of things we do at the moment but uh, with, you know, social distancing and things, but definitely a concept that we want to look into because, as we're saying, the hype and when things are going well in the shot book ring with the you know the boys or the girls, and I've seen it too with the female comps. Uh, when things get electric, it really it's, it spurs everyone on to, to throw big and get excited. All right, so you've done number three, number two. Now, what's number one? What was your highlight apart from Marty Jackson throwing? What was your highlight? I have I do have a para bias, and um, this guy's an absolute gentleman of the sport, and. Um, I've been, had the pleasure of uh, meeting him about 12 months ago. but uh, So just recently classified in the F44 um, was the 63.02 Michael Burian jab throw that, in the men's open javelin. That was huge. Um, the world record 66.18. So, and this guy is still building, and it's just off the back of him and a, an Achilles injury. So it's his first throw post-injury. Yeah, definitely a worthy one. So it was uh, Power Athlete taking out the Open Championship. So Carl, Michael, Mike, whatever we're going to call him. He recently, he's uh, from the Czech Republic. So Sean Witt was doing some delving into this one because he was out there. And um, apparently a really lovely guy too. So just starting to work into it, representing Sandringham, uh, as we said, now an Australian citizen. And what they're saying is if, Paralympics and things go ahead, this guy could be a gold medalist for Australia. Yeah. I mean, he's just got so much more to offer as well. Um, 
He's just really, I think, yeah, you, I have seen some technical changes in the way he's been, you know, hitting that runway and, you know, hitting with that penultimate step and getting it underneath him and really using the most, he, or getting the most out that he can out of that um, affected leg. And it's it's had paying benefits. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Apparently every one of his throws was an A qualifier for the Incredible, Olympics, isn't so. it? It is incredible. So, yeah, that's a very, very worthy number one, I think, from the, the throws across the two weekends. Have you got any honourable mentions or anything you else or anyone else? Oh, actually, before we do that, let's just go through our Open Champions in all of the uh, throws disciplines. Uh, we'll just remind everybody of that. Uh, Kimmy Mulhall, AV board member or committee member, took her 22nd Victorian state title with a in the discus with 50-27. So, yeah, 22 state titles, and I think Kim's probably not done yet. Uh, so I hope she continues on because she's such a, a great asset to our sport and a really good person. And, geez, you know, a lot of people don't know how much she's now putting back into the sport via Athletics Victoria, also through her school coaching as well, I think, at Caulfield. So, um, you know, Huge figure in in uh, Victorian and Australian athletics, and Kim getting her twenty second title there. Nick Dyson, the lovely Nick, he's a great guy, isn't he? Nick Dyson always up for a chat. Um, he took out the men's champs in the discus forty eight eighty nine. He knows he can go further than that, but uh, you know it's good to get another title uh, under his belt. In the jab, as you said, it was uh, where well, we mentioned both of these. They were both in your, your top three. Uh, so brilliant from from. Um, Sandra Gam, 63.02. Painter, the Maldi eventer. Um, Isn't he building? He is building beautifully, but I'm never, ever going to let him forget that I was watching him at the Country Chance where he did that 10-metre discus throw. <laughs> so that, that one, um, that's going to be a little private joke for a long time to come with between me and Christian. So I said to him straight away, I can throw further than that. So 61.76, and I definitely can't throw further than that in the jab. I think my record was something in the 30s before I broke my arm. That's a whole other story. Um, Mackenzie Milcherek, she won the women's in 51.89, as you said, after doing 51.91 in the under 20. So great jab on throws there. In the shot, Emma Berg was back again. So 1470 uh, took Kim's scalp in that one. Last year it reversed. Kim actually got her 20th Victorian title in that shot put competition. Wasn't necessarily expecting to get number 20 there. Was expecting it the next day in the discus, but uh, or the next week. But uh, Emma back on the board here. So 1470 for the shot for Emma to take the from South Bend to go take the title. And yes, Mr. Birkenhead, Birkenhead 2048, the Cryo Colossus. Um, Harvey 1725. Not bad. He's building nicely. Yes, he is. Yes. Yep. He's starting to show so, some consistency as well, which is um, I think that's where those big throws will come. How did Shane Carstairs go? I didn't see uh, much Shane didn't start in the shot put, I don't believe. He was, in, he was out on the weekend, so he must have been doing discus. Yeah, I didn't Always see. worth following Mr. Carstairs. Absolutely. Great right. man. In the hammer throw. A bit disappointing to see three starters in the men's hammer and it's sort of over and done with before we knew it uh, and we didn't, you know, have much opportunity to hear Ned grunt, but he did grunt and he grunted out to 64-14. So Ned Weverly taking another state title uh, in, as I said, 64-14, representing Frankston and another interesting one too, representing Club AV rather than a um, AV club. If you get my drift there because she's now at university in America at Harvard, no less, and Steph Radcliffe took that one out 
So, yeah, very yeah. exciting from Steph. Uh, Fifty-six, sixty. Well, it's not a PB, but considering that she didn't have the opportunity to throw over in the US while she was at college, um, the hammer, she's really only had that chance to throw the the heavy weight, which is a different beast. Um, so yeah, only I think she's had two throws in the last twelve months with the hammer. So great to see her come out and hit fifty-six, sixty with that sort of uh, lead up. If people are wondering about this whole Club AV thing, uh, part of the rules of the NCAA is when you return home, you're not allowed to compete for a club. So we don't want to be pushing the likes of Steph out of our competition. So we have created this Club AV thing where they can still take a championship. They're still an AV-registered athlete, but they don't represent a particular club. And we saw the same with Lauren Ryan in the 5K champs. No, not 5K champs, the the mile champs perhaps. Yeah, it's the mile champs where she took that as a Club AV person. Plays around with my history, though. Marty, how do I, how do I cope with that? <laughs> I didn't even know we did that. So. Yes, no, it's fairly new. And, um, you know, that's been brought in by the AV board. It just in recognition of the reality and coming up with a, a very common sense solution. You know, we don't want these um, competing athletes coming back from college. And as we know with COVID, a lot were back due to the, you know, who'd want to be in America during that that terrible time anyway so they were here and they were competing so we have um, uh, created this little category for them to still compete and be recognised as, as Victorian champions so, and even go to nationals which is good any other throws you've got a personal interest there in in a young shot putter who I quite like the look of too do you want to tell that story uh, talking about my young fella is that right is it your young fella yep. <laughs> yeah no young Angus is uh, coming along very well so he uh, he competed you know, on weekend one in the under 18 with the 5k and yeah opened up with the 1812 um, which is fantastic he's certainly capable of it and we're just certainly trying to control that strength at this point so we've slowed him down a little bit if you have a look at the video from that it was quite slow and technical rather than uh, throwing it away. And it's really just trying to control the beast at the moment. So, um, and we're trying to match in as well with what we're doing in the gym. Um, At the moment, he's going to do quite a bit of volume and we're going to, obviously he's going to have some soreness. So we're going to, at the moment, just really work on that technical side of things, slowing it, hitting positions, and then we'll match that in as we start to move into speed, power, um, coming into nationals, so and we'll start matching that on the in the circle. But very exciting young prospect, and um, he's loving shot put at the moment. Um, he's just enjoying the whole process. So yeah, keep your eye on him. What's your expectation? Yeah, you know, without putting too much pressure on the young lad, but going to nationals, where does he rank, and what do you think he's going to do at nationals? I only really care about see how Angus goes. I haven't looked at uh, any of the competitions, so. Um, we really got some, we've got some targets sitting out there. I don't really want to say them out too loud because then he'll. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's doing really well. I think um, if we could build up to you know, sort of mid eighteen by nationals, I certainly think he is capable of that. And we had a training session tonight, and um, there were some few little technical fixes that he really started to get tonight. And you know they were probably fifty percent pace and we'll you know punch them out to close to 18 meters so one little target we have is that we throw bigger in competition than we do in training and he's achieved that on the weekend that's a good uh, thing to aim for what's the relationship like with you, you and him yeah we get along really well actually so i'm a pretty cool coach if you ask me but <laughs> that's just my own opinion um 
No, he's got a he's um he's a very respectful kid and he's been brought up well. Um, great, great attitude and he doesn't mind doing the work, which is um, something that I really appreciate in him. But um, yeah, I think we've got a long future. Good. Good. It'll be interesting. Yeah, and I, look, I did see uh, him competing and uh, it did sort of take my eye. And I actually, when I first saw him throw, I didn't realise he was yours. So um, then I sort of you know, dawned on me and I thought, okay, this will be worth a good conversation because it's nice when you, you know, because I, I can first remember Damien Birkenhead as, say, a 12, 13-year-old watching him at Country Champs in Albury. And you see someone like that and you just know that they've got it. And it's then a matter of management yeah. over those. Oh, I mean, Damo, Damo is certainly an inspiration for um, young Angus, and uh, he looks up to him immensely. Uh, but he's also got that uh, Damo five k um, record in his in his sights. And I think Damien went about twenty low twenty oh eight. Don't don't hold me to it, but it was something around there. But you know, I think he's still got a, Angus has still got another year and a half. I think with the five k, so. Yep. We'll keep building. We haven't done, done an off season together yet, so we'll put some time in the in the weight room and and we'll see what we can come up with as next year. But this year's not over yet. Does he do any other sports at school? Yes, he was doing a bit of rugby. He's uh, playing basketball on Thursday nights. <laughs> he's he's got a, a full um, full diary, that's for sure. But. Uh, uh, that age, that's important, isn't it, Marty? Just uh, not single point focused uh, on an individual sport. Yeah, it's so important that he keeps moving and, and keeps enjoying it. So, well, at this age, while he's you know still sixteen, we're not um, trying to dial him in or anything like that. We're just starting to um, expose him to um, you know what's needed, and then he can pick that up as soon as he wants. They'll, he'll progress at his own pace. Any any other? Highlights you saw, or any other notable performances you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, there's some um, uh, young Zai Beal. I think she won the under 16 shot, the 3K. I can just see her improving every time. I think she went 1452. Um, yeah, completely dedicated parents to, to the sport, but young Zai Where, is. Where's doing, she from? I think she's up at Bendigo. I don't know. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah Bendigo's been a little bit of a theme this weekend, Marty. We we were chatting about them on the live stream. You know, the distance running community is really taking off, and but also in the technical events, you know, you've got Woods in the pole vault. You have know, Peter Barrett, um, and you know it's good to hear they've got throwers moving as well. So this is quite exciting. I think Bendigo region as a whole is really lifting. Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of these younger girls coming through. The women's shot put is something where we've had a bit of a gap in. Um, in Australia, and I think if we could build, you know, those sort of competitions that you were talking about earlier, and really try to promote um, the shot put as a sport, I think we could get a few more um, female athletes athletes through. So there are there is a lot of potential in those younger ranks as well. Cool. Any anyone else stood out for you? Yes, I can't go past the Hulk, Todd Hodgetts. He switched back to the the uh, the glide, and he is a beast. He. he um, he went out, I think, to fifteen fifty nine, and he just looked so comfortable in in the um, in the glide. He did play around with Scotty there, I think, for a while with the rotation. But and I think it's done him. I think it's done him a world of good. Um, you know, just understanding the processes and the the phases of the throw. But he looked like an animal uh, in that men's open. Fifteen fifty nine was pretty good. He did try to back. He backed it up in the uh, men's ambulance the next day. 
bit of neural fatigue and he still looked like an animal, you know, getting that shot and I love the roar that he gives. He brings a lot of energy to competitions. So um, I'm a big fan of Todd in the uh, in the glide. Now, you know, you know, forgive me for, you know, I get this wrong quite often, but the shot, who is Todd doing that at Paralympics? Because that's not an option for you, is it? I don't believe. No, no. Yeah, Todd has the uh, the competition at Paralympics. So yes. I'm not 100% of his qualifiers, no. but, um, yep. yeah, he's heading in the right direction. Great. Yeah. Whereas you have to sit that one out because there's simply not an event for you. No comp for me. I'll uh, keep focusing on world champs in 2022. Does, does it sort of piss you off a little bit, though, Marty, because everyone knows who you are and, you know, people saying, oh, you're going to the Paras and you've just got to tell that story over and over again that my category or my classification don't go. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's um, – it is a disappointing thing and you're right. I do have to say that over and over again. But, um, look, it's the, it's the path I choose at this point and I've never – it's more for me. It's more about um, training for opportunities when they arise and just being ready for them. Um, you know, when I moved into into para sport, I never thought um, that I'd achieve a lot of the things that I have already. And yeah, it's just that preparation. It's that mentality of just improving every day, getting in the gym, doing the work. You know, out train your competitors, and if an opportunity comes. It, you're there. You're ready for it, um, but it's it's also so the, the the people as well. Marty, is that one thing that you've surprised you about a more individual sport like athletes compared to, to NFL? Yeah, no, I love um, the athletes community is pretty awesome as it is. But seeing one thing I love is people that are focused on their goals and really work hard to achieve them, and you can't get that. Um, in a lot of other sports. I mean, it is an individual sport, but there's so many people working towards their own goals. It's a pretty uh, easy environment to get lapped up in that excitement and want to improve yourself. So, yeah, I've met some pretty amazing people in athletics. Yeah, yeah I'll, uh, I'll echo those thoughts as well. Um, Marty, I think that's about it for us. 25 minutes of chatting away there. We could talk for a lot longer than that. We both know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but, look, it's been great to have you on board and uh, thank you for throwing a little bit more light onto the Froze events over those two weekends. Um, look, you know, we're coming away from that championships feeling pretty good about ourselves at Athletics Victoria. Lots of things happening at the moment in the world of athletics, as we well know, but I think that state championships and the production around it, the presentation of it, the, the stadium looked mint, didn't it? Oh, you it know, you walked awesome. into Lake, Lakeside and, you know, that that's due to, you know, Ross Cunningham and uh, Nathan and Craig Wallace and Andrew Duncan and getting out there and even Sharon Russell was sweating it away with me putting um, uh, fence wrap up, and but it really does look fantastic and you really like that when you walk into the stadium and you know there's an event on. Look, crowds aren't massive, we know that, but that's live streaming is then bringing the the crowds in in another way now and and that will continue on into the future yeah so those live streams are just getting better and better and like i I watched quite a bit of it over the weekend uh it was just it was fantastic just to be able to you know take it with you um and just immerse yourself in it you know being in the gym you can watch it you know going to recover you can watch it so you know just kicking back it was great to just be a part of it. Yeah, combine that with Results Hub and yes. send in the videos on Results Hub. And they were we up quick too. They yeah. were up quick. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, David Armstrong doesn't have a life basically away from athletics. So, And we'll all be out at the Box Hill Burn on Tuesday night. So doing it all over again. But uh, it's part of the joy of athletics, isn't it? 
doing a wonderful job. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me again. Matt Carter, welcome to Down the Track. Thanks for having me, Tim. Good to be here. Ah, great to have you on board. We've been um, sort of threatening for a while to get you on, haven't we? So finally, we've got an opportunity to hear your your lovely voice, uh, not of, from the side of, of the fence. Yeah, yeah, been a bit of a bit of talk about getting me on, but it, yeah, it's good to good to finally get on. Yeah, there's a few topics I want to broach with you, not in this podcast, but certainly later on, because lots is happening in the athletic world as we know. Uh, lots of uh, merge, or not merges, but you know, yeah, sort of merges coming together with the littles and things like that. But there's a lot of other things happening in the background too, and you know, you know, maybe leading towards the the pros, and that's one conversation I do want to have with you at some stage. But we are going to talk about all the sprints from the two weekends of the recently concluded Victorian Champs. And we were saying off air, gee, it was a pretty good sprints program, wasn't it, Matt? It was unbelievable. And uh, I think it really helped uh, to have the the conditions there for the weekend. But um, even still, like the conditions on uh, Sunday just gone weren't fantastic and we saw some great results in the 200. So. Certainly did. Yeah, it was great. Let's Let's start off as we have with all the other event groups. Your three, two, one. So starting with three, working up to one. What were your standout performances amongst the ones, twos, and fours? Uh, the ones, twos, and fours. Look, I'd have to go. Number three would be the young girl Grace Kelly. Um, see her breaking uh, twelve seconds um, in the heats. I think it was. Um, and she's a how old was she? Fourteen, I think she was. Yeah, I think she's fourteen under fifteen. Yeah. Um. That was an unbelievable performance. Sorry, I think she's 15. Um, yeah, it could be 14 or 15. She's definitely in the under-16 comp. Either way, it was an unbelievable run from her. Um, and to see a time like that come up uh, for a young girl like that was was fantastic and very, very impressive. And it was no fluke and it wasn't big tailwinds or anything like that because she did 12-0-0 in the final. So no, it was, that's, yeah. her, that's where she's at. Yep, no, she was uh, she was very impressive. I think, you know, she's got a bright future, um, and I think if her talent is uh, nurtured the correct way, I think she can she can do big things for sure. Yeah, excellent. Who's your number two? Uh, number two would have to be Daruv. Um, to do the hundred and two hundred double, um, anyone to be able to do that is unbelievable. But then to run a a huge PB in the two hundred and beat someone uh, as good as Jack Hale um, in that race uh, was pretty impressive too. It was impressive, and um, you know, people are saying perhaps the best race of Drew's career so far, but Aug as well as he heads towards nationals. Absolutely, I think um, I saw him at uh, Frankston, the Frankston Gift, uh, about eight weeks ago now. I think it was, and he ran a he ran ten forty three off scratch that day over the hundred on on track. Um, but I feel like that was the best I'd ever seen him run, and. Um, yeah, definitely on, on Sunday was, was up another level from that. So definitely his best one. Yeah, because Jack was coming at him. There's no doubt that probably as they started to straighten up into the home straight, Jack was starting to make the move. But Drew just went up again, didn't he? He did. Jack had a huge attack with about sort of 60 or 50 or 60 metres to go. Um, and you've got to do something special if you want to beat Jack Hale. And, and Drew did that. Yep. Yep. Dug deep and uh, just kept going, which was, uh, yeah. And look, all credit to Jack Hale too. Good running. Uh, they both, you know, uh, hit the hit the tape in in pretty good times. Now, who was your number one? I don't think you can go past Hannah Bassick for number one. Her hundred meters, eleven thirty seven, I think it was. Yep. Um, something that's a standout by far. 
uh, for the whole weekend for sure. She's in unbelievable shape and that's a time, you know, that will carry her, you know, well and truly into nationals um, and beyond, I think. Yeah, and we saw her when she went to Canberra with the 11.25 and I, I nearly cried when I saw the wind reading 2.1. I know. I was this. I was watching the live stream, and I was just praying for it to be two or or under. Um, two point one's a cruel, cruel thing. But the the run is there. It's in her legs. The run is there. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be watching with great interest, um, Hannah. She was entered for the two hundreds because when we had her on the podcast, we were talking about the the two hundreds and whether she'd have a crack. And I think because she's going so well in the hundred at the moment, they probably decided that she didn't need to do a two hundred at the big champs. Uh, it might have happened had she not done Canberra, but uh, just no need was there, Matt. I don't think so, and uh, especially with it only being sort of two days or forty eight hours post Canberra, where the heats of the two hundred. Um, you know, probably a little bit risky at this time of year and something that she hasn't really touched on all season. So why do that so late now? I, you know, I mean, that's up to them, but they, I think they made the right call not doing the 200 on the weekend. Yeah, totally agree. Let's go through the champions in the Opens. In the 100 metres, it was Hannah Bassick, your number one. So she ran 11.37 with a 0.2. Uh, that's a headwind. Uh, and Mira Russell, 12.11. And then Jesse Andrew at 12.22 was second and third. In the men's, as you said, Drew've got the double, 10.45 with uh, no wind reading at all there. Well, they took a wind reading, but it was 0. 0. 0.0. Uh, 10.45 for Drew. 10.61 for Despard and 10.67 for Mr. Bronze Power. I think you've got a couple, a couple of bronzes over the course of the championships, did Mr. Power. That was the 100 champs. In the 400s on that same weekend, and we'll have a good chat about this race, Alexia Louisu got 54.34 to take the gold in that one. Wilkinson, 54.83, one of the surprise packets we think of the, the whole championship. And then Hubbard, um, the good old reliable Kendra Hubbard, 54.99. Pretty close race that one, wasn't it, Matt? You would have enjoyed watching it? Uh, I don't know about enjoyed. It was, it was a bit stressful uh, halfway down the straight. Kendra and uh, Wilkinson were uh, coming at Lexi pretty pretty hard but she managed to hold on and um yeah put a good series of runs together Lexi did and um you know like you know if if you're going to beat Kendra it's going to be a good day of running because she is a quality oh, yeah. athlete and like you said the surprise surprise packet was Molly Molly Wilkinson Marley yeah. Marley sorry Marley Wilkinson um and she ran un- unbelievable too that must have been a PB for her I think too so yeah well I think she's running PBs everywhere at the moment because she's fairly fresh into the sport but uh the strategy with Lexi going to that 400 Matt what was the discussion beforehand what was her plan uh, her plan, she ran a, she executed a heat uh, perfectly, executed the the semi final perfectly. Um, she got a little bit excited in the first two hundred of that uh, that four hundred final. She went through a little bit too quick. I feel like if she had gone through about four or five tenths slower in that first two hundred, she might have been able to dip into the the fifty threes. Um, but you know, it was the the whole aim was to win the 400 that's been a, a big goal of hers all season and and she achieved that so i can't talk that down too much no no and there'll be more opportunities to get that uh timing or the pacing right as she moves through and uh yeah she, when she starts to get in races where she's doing a bit of chasing as well um this is a good feeling isn't it to get out there pretty hard to see what that feels like absolutely because when you go up against uh the best in the country they those girls are going to go through at that sort of pace. Um, so she's had a feeling of going through at that sort of pace now and um, 
hopefully that holds her in good stead going forward for the next you know six or six or seven weeks leading into nationals. Yep, men's four hundred, another great race, wasn't it? Ross Hine took the the title forty seven thirty one, and then it was just sort of bang 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 with Will Johns forty seven fifty, Rasul forty seven fifty three, Searle forty seven fifty six, and I think Fry was about forty seven point six. So that was a great race to watch. That was that was a huge race. I was uh, very invested in that race because uh, I love watching the four hundreds. Um, and yeah, Ross Ross Hine just kept kept going to the line. He moved away. He's late. a unit, isn't he? He's he strong. He's going, doesn't he? He's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then to have that bunch of bunch of boys cross the line, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, was uh, something pretty special. It was good to see close finishes across the weekend. It certainly was, and there's a lot of them. We'll talk about that as we go through a little bit too, because there's some really good ones to cover. All right, women's two hundred weekend two. Monica Brennan twenty four oh seven. Ebony Lane, 24.09, Lexi Louisu, 24.10, and then Jess Payne, 24.38. That was also a ripper of a race, wasn't it? And you were invested in that one with number two and number three. I was a little bit invested in that one. I was I was hoping for a, a gold and a silver, but, um, like, it, geez, it was good to see Monica Brennan back. You know, she's won that title four times before, um, now five. Um, and I don't know how long it was between races, but to come back and win – a state title in one of your first races back um, was something pretty special. And it was tight too. At the end, it was only 400 or around it separating them. So, 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 so tight. But uh, I think Brennan had only got out for one ABSL round. Um, so very lightly raced coming into it. Looked good, looked powerful in the heats though. Um, and then was just so strong. Yeah, you know, Lane, I thought she'd gone too hard early and because um, she certainly was the bolter, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She's got one speed, Eb, and that's just to go gun ho from the very start. Um, but you know, she we sort of spoke about that prior to the race, and we said, look, try and put some pressure on the others in the race uh, for as long as you can, and and hopefully it's enough to to hold on in the end. And it wasn't quite enough, but geez, it was close. Do you reckon Lane draw went against Ebony a little bit because she was on the outer and she did go hard? Had she been sort of drawn a, a more of a middle or inner lane, it might have been to her advantage? Um, possibly. Um, look, I think I would have liked uh, – I'm talking specifically about Ebony now, but I would have liked her to run a little bit harder in the semi final. I think that's what um, Monica Brennan did really well across the weekend is she ran hard in the heat, hard in the semi. Um, it just set her up beautifully for the final. So – yeah, Ebony really switched off in the semi, didn't she? You know, coming probably the last thirty meters, I think she was just looking around and, and eased it right back. Yeah, she did, and that sort of it put her in the third position. Um, yep. you know, which put her in lane lane seven. So, yep. you know, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. It would have, I would have liked to have seen her on an inside lane to have someone to chase the way, but you know, that's the way it is. Jessica Payne's going along nicely, isn't she? She's going beautifully at the moment, and she's shown that sort of form. Um, in the pros across the whole season. She's building a really nice season at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think she's one – how old is, is Jess, do you know? I don't – I think she's about 24, 24. Right, 24. okay. So maturing. Uh, yeah, maturing really well. And she's yeah. – and you know, she started off the season, I don't think, in un, unbelievable shape, but she's really building a great season and I think that's the way she, she likes to do it. And, um, yeah, she's coming into form at the right time of the year. Yeah, she was a real uh, factor in that race. She she finished in twenty four thirty eight, so about you know three tenths behind uh, Lexi. But early on, she was right up there with them. Oh, for sure. And she's been to that sort. She's been to a very very good level before. She's a sub twenty four second runner. 
um, you know, she knows how to she knows how to get the job done, and she's finding herself uh, building into that sort of form, which is good. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, as we said, the men's was taken out by Drew Rodriguez Chico, the best name in athletics at the moment, twenty point eight five. We had another sub twenty one there with Hale in twenty ninety six. Uh, Power, yes, he got the bronze in twenty one fifty one, and uh, Will Johns twenty one sixty two for fourth place. Yeah, yet again, deep field, good race, and we've covered that one off. Going to throw. A couple of names at you, though, Matt, to sort of, you know, I'm not sure how much you know about some of the, the youngsters getting around, but Sienna Curdian was one that stood out to me. She took the, I think she took the triple with the, the 124, 12.46, 25.39, 58.06, and that's in the under-15s. That's a bit of a talent, isn't it? Any Anyone who can do a triple um, at a state championship is is a huge talent, and um, it's good to see these juniors coming through and those times aren't too shabby either. They're really, really good times for an under-15 or under-16-year-old. Yep, certainly are. Caleb Kilpatrick, I think Chulwell might have got the triple as well. Um, Bella Pasquale, do you know much about her from Albury? Uh, I am familiar with Bella. She's a great runner. I know her old man reasonably well, Wally, um, and her mum, Anna. Uh, so, yeah, she's uh, comes from a pretty pretty good running background. So she's a she's a huge talent, I believe. Yeah, it's unfortunate she had that fall. Did you see that one um, in weekend two, 200? I didn't. I missed the fall. What happened there? Yeah, you know, I just, just went over on the home straight um, and I saw her after and it looked like she'd been through the wars. You know, she had plaster all over her. So it was you know, a scrape of the arms, the legs, the hips. <laughs> the oh, poor no. thing, the wrists were all gone. So real shame because she was in a really good you know, dominant position when she went down. But but she won the under 16, 457.08. And I think, yeah, yet again, put a little circle around that name because um, lots of good stuff. Now, Josh Sullivan's been mentioned a few times during the podcast already because he was very good in the jumps. And he also took out the the two four double um, in the under sixteen men's. His times, you know, he's still got a little bit of improving. But where does he go? You know, is he, you know, he's with Chloe Edwards for all all the events he does. Twenty three zero one fifty one thirteen, but also jumping well at long and triple. So <laughs> a talented man, Mister Sullivan, isn't he? He's got some options, that's for sure. And he's with a great coach in Chloe. Um, yeah. So I'm sure they'll have a discussion between them and eventually figure out which which is uh, which is best for him for sure. Yep. For sure. You would have seen Claudia Hollingsworth stepping out in the 400 too, which, um, you know, more renowned for her 800s. But, uh, or sorry, Claudia, I've got to get that right. <laughs> 5547 for Hollingsworth in the under 17 400. She's class, isn't she? Just holds the form beautifully. She does. She's a beautiful, beautiful runner, um, Claudia. And, uh, yeah, it was good to see her come down in distance. I think uh, the way the 800s are going, it's becoming more and more of a sprint now. So everyone. Everyone who wants to do an 800 definitely needs some speed under their legs, that's for sure. Oh, you need to be good at four. You've, you've got to have that 400 speed. There's no doubt about it now. I just say it's becoming that prolonged sprint. So 55.47 indicates that, you know, she's going quite along quite nicely in the 400. Jack Bolton, you know, he's a great character, isn't he, Jack Bolton? 48.03 to take out the under-18 400. Yeah, he's a ripper young kid, Jack, and uh, I've, I've got to know him uh, reasonably well over the last sort of couple of seasons because he does run a lot of pros and supports the pros and, um, you know, and obviously a, an unbelievable runner on the, on the track as well. So, um, yeah, he's going... What, what's the deal with the one arm warmer, the one pink arm warmer? Um, you know? I haven't broached that subject with Jack yet, but I feel <laughs> like passion. I need to. I mean, I like his haircut. His haircut is very I easy. love it, yep. Um, and I've told him how much I love his haircut. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Uh, it's good. It really is good to have character. That's one thing I like about Pain too, with the long pink socks and the pink headband as well. You can just see Jess coming a mile away, but that's great. You know, it, um, I think it adds real spice to some of these events. Um, Faith Little, she's a talent too, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She is. She's a, uh, a beautiful mover as well. I mean, I suppose you have to be if you're running that fast, but uh, yeah, she's definitely a talent. And like I said before, a lot of these young uh, men and women, if they can be nurtured properly and and put on the right path and in the right direction, they can they can have long careers in this sport. It's been a bit of, also been a theme through this podcast too, the whole conversation because you know I am talking to coaches and I'm talking to good experienced coaches uh, in each of these event groups and that theme just keeps coming at me all the time, Matt. You know we seem to be building a pretty good coaching sort of um, you know pyramid in the state and as you say, if we the right people looking after these kids, then they have got futures. You know, bearing in mind though that some of these kids, um, you know, when you've got that speed and that dexterity, um, AFL looms, and particularly for the young girls now, it becomes quite an option, doesn't it? It does, it does. And, you know, obviously there's probably a little bit more of a lure to play AFL um, in regards to a, a monetary reward. Uh, uh, which is which is quite difficult and always hard for athletics in Australia to compete with. But um, like I said, you know, if they're on the right path and they can be, you know, guided into the right direction, this sport is the best sport in the world, and I've done it for a long time, and I love it, yep. and I want yep. people to continue to do it. Well, you've also, you know, with the the sprints, you've also got that. And I think it's a lovely option of running the pros. And, you know, we did talk in depth to, to Hannah about that and how the, the Tasmanian Carnival started to set her up for this season. Uh, I believe that it is a nice sort of, um, you know, it's a way of learning different tactics, isn't it? It's a way of learning how to chase or be chased or hold your head and, um, you know, run through to the line. It's uh, it's a good system, isn't it? Absolutely. And it gives you the, the ability to have... Uh, multiple races in a day, like you said, um, it, it allows you to chase or be chased. Um, it can be used as a training method. Uh, it can be used, you know, to set up for, you know, there's obviously monetary reward in that too. Um, and it's good to see a lot of the, or not a lot, but a few of the champions and, and medalists from the weekend have come through the pro ranks and or do still continue to support the pro ranks as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that divide that was always there, you know, back in, in our day, the amateurs versus the pros, those barriers are just coming down, aren't they? The the you know, there's no stigma. There's and I don't think there's as much hiding of times anymore as there used to be because that used to be a real circus, didn't it? It did a little bit, and uh, look, I mean, there's still there's still people still play games in the pros, and that's just it's always going to be part of it, and it's always going to be you know, I suppose a fun part of it for some people. But like you said, we've come away from a lot of the hiding and uh, the games that were sort of played back in the day. And I think a lot of, um, you know, you've got guys like Dean Capianco, Steve Brimacone, Josh Ross, all these guys who uh, won a store gift have gone on to represent Australia. And it sort of started with those guys and it's starting to really sort of filter through now which is which oh, yeah. have, have a look at that men's list of stall gift winners in the last few years and it's stacked full of guys who are winning big titles now it is you know you've got uh you know young matt rizzo uh yep. jacob despard uh Deruv, rodriguez chico um you know and then you've you, you go back to someone i know i'm talking a little bit like a queenslander but murray goodwin you know representative yep. australia you could you could your list could go on but Three big Victorian sprinters. Rizzo's 
a trader now because he's moved to uh, Queensland. But oh, that's that's raw for you, isn't it? Very raw. No, no, I'm, I'm dealing with it quite well at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> As he, you know, because I follow him on socials and we saw see all those beautiful pictures from, um, especially when we went to lockdown number three. Um, Dear old Rizzo was really uh, rubbing it in on us. But anyway, um, we can chat about that later. <laughs> One of my highlight races uh, of the weekend was the men's under 16, 100. Pusatul, 11.45. Idris, 11.46. Sullivan, who we mentioned before, 11.47. That was a ripper. You know, Pusatul's strong, isn't he? Idris got away really slowly. Uh, I, I think that's the one where he didn't get out too well but just comes home like a train. But uh, what great competition. Under 1,600, running those times, and you know, which aren't super-duper-duper quick, but, gee, good competition, isn't it? And that's what breeds – that's that's what's going to breed those times is if these guys can continue to race against each other – year in, year out, up until hopefully they transition to, to an open level. Um, hopefully that's what's going to breed those times is that competition between those boys. Exactly. Just keeps pushing them. Jess Malat wasn't really pushed though, was she? No, nah, she Didn't stand out. Fair, fair lead. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Yeah, so Jess, 12.18 in the under-1700 and then uh, backed up to double in 24.69. One of Kathy Woodruff's there. And and Jess is, you know, she's just statuesque, isn't she? She's um, a good developer, great style, great poise. So, yeah, putting it all together, isn't she, Jess? She is, and she's got plenty of room to move uh, in regards to strength. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, like, like we've said, you know, four or five times before, I think she's got a big future if she can stay on the right path, without a doubt. Yeah, well, with, with the likes of Woodruff looking after you, you know, proven, you know, to take people through to the top. So um, I think uh, the Sandringham system's going along quite nicely. Yeah, at the she's moment. being well looked after for sure. Yeah. So too is the Western Athletic System as well with um, Franklin uh, Neway Jarfoy. Um, 11.03 to take the under 17 men's 100. He's a, he's a bit of a unit. Absolutely, absolutely. And 11.03, 11 flat um, at that sort of age is, is an impressive time. Um, and, yeah, I think um, I think he's another talent too. He's strong, strong boy. He is a strong boy. Moving to the under 1800, and that was a, yet again a ripper race with Ryan Tarrant versus Bolton. Uh, Tarrant took 1086 to 1089 and a 0.8 uh, wind. Yeah, you know, strong running, isn't it? Tarrant, Tarrant just, I don't know, has, um, there's something about him. Yeah, and, you know, he, he beat Jack Bolton. Jack Bolton is a, he's a class, class runner. And, um, yeah, he sort of, he held his form really well late, Tarrant, and uh, moved away from Jack. It was impressive. Yep. Uh, another highlight race, too, for closeness. And I, I think I'd stepped out and poor old Mitch Dyer had to call this one. You had, the under twenty men's hundred, Waitoi ten ninety one, Mason ten ninety two, and Willis ten ninety two. Um, one two three, that was a tight one. Only one one hundred separating three of them on the line. Yet again, good racing, isn't it? And good times. Yeah, good times, good racing. Geez, that's hard to call that when they're yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> I dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> I'm still claiming victory over uh, Glenn Turner though with the Monica Brennan call because he texted me straight away. He said, "No, Lane got it." Then I stuck to my guns. No, nah, I thought Brennan had it, and she did. No, so, you did well um, there, Tim. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, got that call. Um, gee, another one I like is the young man from Diamond Valley, uh, Jack Clark. What are your thoughts about Jack? Uh, Jack Clark is a great runner. He is a great runner. I'm not sure how long he's been in the system for. I haven't followed followed him for a huge amount of time. Um, but to see his performances on the weekend and the way he runs, um, yeah, he's impressive for sure. 
Yep, and he took the the scalp of Taylor Willis in the flat two hundred. Uh, Taylor obviously coming off a you know fantastic run the week before when he got that world under twenty qualifier in the in the hurdles. Um, a few shout outs to um, Kiara Santalia. She got the double in the under twenties, the one two. Uh, Joshua Jatchenko also doubled in the under fourteens, and a big, big, big shout out to Jess Calvert from Wodonga. She got the two hundred four hundred double, and. Probably why I really highlight her is that uh, she ran the 400 not long after being DQ'd in the 100. That takes character, doesn't it, Matt? It does because, you know, you've set yourself up and, you you know, you've come you've come down off such a high thinking you're going to do so well in the 100 and then to get DQ'd um, to back up and knuckle down and really concentrate on executing a 400-meter race plan and pattern and winning that showed uh, showed real maturity, I thought. Yep, certainly did. So hats off to Jess Colbert, I think. Um, yet again, well managed. And one thing Whippy and I have been talking about a bit too, Matt, is the the number of regional athletes that are doing really well and coming to these state championships. You know, she's from Wodonga. There was a really good showing from Albury Athletics throughout, you know, like uh, Bolton and various others throughout, you know, the, the field and on the track. And, um, you know, the Geelong athletes you know you've got such good squads down there uh bendigo is another area we've highlighted that things are starting to to look a lot better than they have been and um and also ballarat uh it's it's looking good isn't it the whole scene across victoria i think is is on the move yeah i think victoria as a whole like you said is moving in the right direction and we're starting to or starting to we are continuing to produce some really really good times yeah yeah so some really positive signs out there so Look, Matt, any any other ones you want to highlight before we, we exit out of the interview? Uh, look, I, I think we've covered everyone from uh, my perspective of what I thought the weekend was. I thought across the whole weekend of sprints or whole two weekends, I should say, of sprints was was awesome to watch. And I just uh, – I thank the weather gods the first well, first and yep. second weekend. We don't often get good conditions like that. But, um, yeah, it was impressive. It was really, really impressive. What, what was the feedback from – because basically – for a lot of the athletes, that was the first time on the relayed Lakeside Stadium. Did you get much feedback about the track surface or the feel of the track? To be honest, I didn't. I didn't actually at all. I, That's probably I, a good thing, isn't it, Matt? I think it is. If 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 there's if people are talking about it, it's probably not a good sign. But um, I feel like it went off seamlessly with the new track, and I didn't hear uh, I didn't hear anything good or bad, which is a good thing, I think. Yep, yeah, good. Right. And there were some pretty good times run on it, so it's obviously not that bad a place. And we were lucky though with the winds, as we know that that headwind in the home straight does curse the the um, the sprinters most times. But it was behaving, and you know, with some of those really benign breezes and sort of a little bit of warmer air on some days, it was uh, really nice out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that first couple of days of the first weekend where it was sort of you know mid to low thirties, it was uh, it was hot and it was it was good racing yep. conditions. Certainly was. Awesome. All right. Matt Carter, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure, Tim. Thanks very much for having me on, mate. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for that wrap on all things sprinting. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Another three entertaining interviews there, Sean. So some great characters there. I do uh, enjoy chatting to each of those. Uh, you know, Mark with his uh, great experience. And isn't it so refreshing that we've now got Mark Stewart into the uh, inner sanctum of Athletics Australia looking after that event group? I think that's a, a big step forward for them. 
Yeah, he's a he's a guy that's been to the very top of the sport, but also spends a really substantial amount of time bringing new athletes into the sport as well at a, at a really junior level. So I think it's quite healthy to have someone who is that involved from a, a grassroots level all the way through uh, to really shape you know every sort of experience for those new or, or more experienced pole holders. Yeah, what did you see in the pole that you liked? You know, we've we've talked about you know a bit about Gross and and Cram, but Cram's one I think that you had your eye on, isn't he? Yeah, more just because I think in working with the state team each year, you're used to seeing, you know, kind of these scrawnier younger kids and maybe under 15s or 16s. And and then, of course, you remind yourself that they're going to grow at some point. And, uh, yeah, Wilson's certainly done that. So he's he's looking like quite a filled out sort of big pole vaulter these days. Um, and, yeah, he looked really strong throughout his competition. Uh, I think he jumped a, a small PB in clearing 490. But, it, you know, he and his coach, Bill, um, seem more excited about obviously his three attempts at 5.10, so a world junior qualifying mark, um, but one that he probably had his best look at on the third one. Um, but I think for the, a lot of those pole vaulters, it's just getting a sense of familiarity with those higher heights um, and the more experience and the more comps you can get at those heights, um, you know, the better that's going to work out for you long term. So it was cool to see him in that space. Yeah, now Gross and Kenshaw uh, both had a, a dip at the 407 for the women's under 20 qualifier as well. Both getting close, but not quite there. Kenshaw just coming back from injury, as, as Mark said. So, um, you know, off that shortened run up and, and only doing the one comp uh, compared to Liv doing doing two and taking out a first title, first open title too. So, yeah, that was a big moment, I think, for uh, Liv Gross to, to get that women's open championship and, and to have those three goes at the 407. Um, high jump. Uh, Baden, you know, he's starting to, to get into form when he, he needs to. Yeah, and I think he has started his season, not necessarily later, but you can see through his uh, series of comps, you know, starting off down in Geelong a couple of weeks ago and then jumping in Canberra again. He's obviously into the, I guess, sort of fuller swing of, of a competitive prep. Um, so it's awesome to see him back on the runway and, uh, you know, having a bit of competition there in uh, UL Reith uh, as well. So he's always got someone to, well, now he's got someone to keep him on his toes a bit uh, in Victoria, which is cool. Yeah, exactly right. Lachlan O'Keefe, do you know much about him? We did, you know, Mark's talked about him and, uh, well, sorry, we, well, Sandro actually talked about him and said what a great effort that was and also, you know, the way he's being brought along by Coach Cleary up in um, in Ballarat. Yeah, yeah, Lockie's uh, another one of those ones where obviously for some of those technical events like pole vault and high jump, uh, growing can have a pretty interesting event uh, effect and Cleary, uh, Paul Cleary up, up in Ballarat coaches largely with the, the kids that are at Wenderay or representing Wenderay, um, has always had a pretty high read on, on Lockie. He's a, he's a pretty humble kid and, and he seems like he's, uh, you know, he's got a lovely bunch of parents and stuff, you know, I've had a bit to do with them at events. Um, but yeah, it was a kid that was clearing some pretty lofty heights early on and now he's growing a bit as well. And I think he's getting the hang of using his newfound sort of limbs and wingspan yeah. um but yeah it seems like in that he's had you know he's definitely not been sort of overtrained or anything like that and he's, he's got a pretty good technical grounding from what the high jump sort of community have said um looks like it's it's put him in a really good spot to to keep building on that through his i guess more uh upper end junior years that he's approaching yeah, and look, the standout for the women over the that first weekend in the high was definitely Polly Dean Jones from Glen Huntley. Jeff Lang has got her under his wing and 175 there. That was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think um, another athlete who has come along through the state team too uh, and, and was an athlete initially, I think off the top of my head, who 
much like a lot of our high jumpers, really. It's a it's an interesting event in you know I guess where where we can help or where an organisation or clubs can help develop it throughout all clubs. In that there doesn't seem to be a ton of coaches who coach it, um, but sometimes those that do, you know, it, it feels like they get filed into either sort of the club high jump coaching role or, or maybe that that more high performance end. So I think the more coaches we have that are involved in coaching high jump at all levels, um, and I know that's something um, Sandro said as well, um, sort of the merrier for, for the event because it is just such a technical um, event and there's so much for those younger kids to learn in, in how to, you know, become really proficient at high jump. So it's cool to see that spread happening. Yeah, um, Sandro was at pains to, to uh, point that out. This was a diverse group that he thought were the best and they came all came from different coaches so i think that was a really good sign for the for the high jump now you know in the throws uh you know the four events over the two weekends once again you know it'll hard to go past burian wasn't it that was just a, a great <laughs> thing to watch yeah it was, it was down there it was funny down there giving updates and uh you know i i, I don't know um michael all that well uh and I, I quickly sent a text to to mike barber up in the act and said this, this guy seems pretty good. And uh, Mike said, yeah, I, I think he's a pretty good shot to win a, a gold medal in Tokyo at the Paralympics. So I was like, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, did a quick Google. Sorry, he was on NAS and did a little bit of research. But, yeah, I think that's an awesome story. Um, with, uh, I think it's Nick Bartolis, um, or Bartolis is Beltus. Yeah, Beltus, Beltus, sorry, um, is, is, coaching, is coaching him down at Sandy. And I guess another one of those things, a bit like the high jump, in that the field events seem – really welcoming of that diversity in coaching or, or that if a club has someone approach them sort of from all, almost that old school, you know, they live in your neighbourhood, yep. oh, it's a club and they go, oh, okay, do you have anyone here who coaches Javelin? And that was sort of what the situation that Sandringham found them in. Um, mm. So it's cool to see them just click through the club records and go, yeah, actually, <laughs> got a guy that still lives in the area, see if we can get him into some coaching. Yeah, no, Nick's always uh, been a great asset. To Sam. He competed when I was there and um, yeah. Yeah, really good guy, very team-focused. He was in the Bayside squad as well when we were the all-powerful Bayside State League combine. <laughs> um, and, well, we were. Uh, and, yeah, he just uh, is a great guy. And I think, you know, when I heard that uh, Michael's with, with Nick, I thought, oh, gee, that's a nice little combination. So it's, uh, yeah. Frank Mazza also went big, didn't he? Yeah, in those other JAV results, um, yeah, we did – we did draw out that um, Frank Mazza had a pretty good day at the office. Um, so he had he had sort of easy. You know, his first throw was sort of 50-64 and then he really improved that on the second one to 57-23, had a foul. And then, yeah, last one was the best one, um, 59-43 in the under-17 men's, which, um, which would have won the age group up just um, in that they throw the same weight. Um, but probably you know, similarly competitive in that age group, but was uh, Jack Mogensen, who's, who's yep. from Sandringham. He threw for- yeah, another Sandringham throw, which is a good sign for the Sandy club. Um, yeah. Mackenzie Milcharik, what do you say? You know, two comps, uh, 51-91 in the under-20s, 51-89 uh, to win the Opens. Um, she's just going nicely. Yeah, it would, it would have been cool to see. Um, I know uh, the, the Javelin women that came up when they, to get their medals, they, they were all kind of hoping they would see uh, Kath Mitchell down at the comp, you know, her name was yeah. entry list, but um, unfortunately um, didn't make it down. Um, but, you know, no, no discredit to um, Mackenzie. She was uh, excited to get, you know, a series of throws out across the weekend. Um, and as is someone that has really stuck with that event, sort of from yeah. even under 14s, that sort of thing, was, was always, you know, first and first, first and foremost, a, a javelin thrower. So 
cool to see her development ticking along um, really well. Yeah, and hopefully under 20s bound um, if things go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, Hammer was a bit sort of hit and miss, wasn't it? Because uh, the women's comp, you know, is quite strong and deep with Steph Radcliffe having the good win there, but uh, only three in the open men's. Ned doing really well to get 64-14, but he knows he can go a lot further than that. Yeah, and I, and I think in the previous times where we've spoken to him, you know, he said that it is pretty difficult uh, balancing, um, you know, working with the police force and um, and throwing, <laughs> as they're both pretty demanding sort of tasks. Uh, but I, I guess, you know, he is someone who has echoed that, that the only way they sort of can develop the event is by, you know, continuing to turn up for it and trying to get those younger throwers to continue on with the event. Um, so, you know, good to see uh, Ben Vogue and Ben Sanderlands um, yep. still turning out for that event. Um, and if anything, it just looked like Ben Vogue had um, had some foul trouble um, in the event. So obviously trying some new things and trying to figure out, you know, all those technical aspects of the throw. Yeah, yeah. Looking as he goes up the A twelve, you know, heads into open comp. Now he's going to the high implement weights, and and it is really just getting that technique right. And I'm sure Gus will be onto that and uh, having throw. You know, it's his Gus's pet event, I think, and uh, <laughs> he'll certainly have him uh, in fine form over the next few years. Uh, Damien, yeah, look once again back over the twenty mark, and um, that's that's a good sign for us as he heads into the Olympiad. Yeah, and, and he'd had that. Uh... He had a throw up in Canberra uh, and it was interesting to see, you know, there'd been a bit of talk about Alexander Kalashnikov from uh, New South Wales who's back at the moment from, um, he goes to Harvard over in the in the States um, and had been throwing quite big at some local New South Wales comps. So, you know, man, a few words usually, but, but Damien did seem uh, relatively chipper in his, his post-throw interview in Canberra when he, he got the win up there and was back out over the 20-metre mark. So, yeah, he said it, it had been a while between being back over uh, out past that mark, but he felt he and Scott had reached a point in training where they said, well, you know, everything seems to be going well enough. We, we better do some comps. <laughs> better get back into it. Now, the sprints uh, served up quite a lot of excitement, didn't it? It's a, it was a good program of sprints. Uh... Yeah, I, uh, I, I apologised sheepishly to, to Monica Brennan um, on the medal dais when she noted that she didn't get a, a nod in the, the preview write-up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as a, we haven't seen much of it lately, though, have we? Or no, no. no I, I said, as you know, as a as a twenty sixteen Olympian, I said I'd I'd seen she just had sort of the one solitary shield result, so I didn't want to put the moz on her by saying she was going to win the whole yeah. whole shebang. Um, yeah. But she said she kind of joked and said, "No, no, it was it was good that she could come in under the radar a little bit, um, and that she'd had sort of that one shield run that wasn't great, but was to sort of get the cobwebs out." Um, but yeah, right. that, that two hundred finish was just amazing, wasn't it? I think uh, there was one one hundred between first to second, and then one one hundred second to third. It was uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's lane definitely... lane. Yeah, Fewfort Lane had it on the outside, but I stuck to my guns and I thought Brendan <laughs> had it, and she got it, but only just. Yeah, it's definitely a nod to um, that morning to potentially group with with Matt yep. um, that it is such a competitive space through the one, the two, and the four. In that, yeah, if you come back as as you know someone like. Monica, who who was a who has been a, a really really top end sprinter, um, yeah, you're not you're not light on for competition. <laughs> no, not at all. Some some great events. Uh, Drew Rodriguez Chico, what do you say? One two double. Yeah, and I, and I just think it was great that um, Jack Hale ran all the rounds as well. Yep. Uh, we've seen with some of the higher end sprinters across Australia, they might run a heat here, you know, semi there, or they'll they'll just do a heat in you know an interstate race. And I, I get for everyone that that's. You know, there's an individual process they're going through um, and it is a bit hasty to judge as to why someone has or hasn't run rounds. 
Um, but I think it was just cool in that a lot of those other sprints guys were very excited to see Jack had entered, um, albeit maybe a tiny bit late. Um, but he uh, was one they welcomed in that the first thing Drew said was that he was stoked Jack was there because he's such a hard guy to beat. So Drew said he was pretty amped going into the final thinking, okay, I've got an outside lane. I should be able to see Jack if he's out a little bit in front of me. Uh, yep. when we and he would, never up. was. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Jack just being such a, um, such I guess, a sort of turnover sprinter is that he accelerates so fast, usually he tends to clear out on the field. And then I think when he, you know, sort of came around off the straight and noticed he wasn't wasn't alone just yet. Um, yeah, it was a really fascinating battle down the that last sort of eighty. Um, and yeah, Drew really kept his composure and um, yeah, two PBs on on back to back weekends. Yeah, in chatting to Kathy Woodruff um, about it, she believes that um, that two hundred by Drew was probably his best ever performance. Um, so that's fairly high praise, isn't well, it? Well, I, I think that's the thing. Putting it into perspective, you know, Drew was a guy that I think he'd done a little bit of little laths, but was quite into um, was quite into soccer and was playing at a pretty high level. I think with with Bentley Greens, um, who were a you know pretty substantial club, um, but. You know, he. Um, if you, uh, I texted this to someone earlier in the week. If you think of it this way, there are 83 guys in Australian history who've run under 21 seconds for 200 meters, and Drew's the 84th guy. So, you know, for a guy that hasn't really been at that top end of the sport that long, I guess, you know, because he sort of had that time in the pros, focusing on stall, you know, and winning it. Um, you know, he's, he's equal 59th all time for 200, um, and he's the ninth fastest Australian. Oh, sorry, the tenth fastest Australian over two hundred meters in our, you know, since our last Olympic cycle, um, since the start of twenty sixteen. So you know, you, you sort of have these guys that would probably could be an athlete their whole career, you know, from sort of twelve to thirty or whatever it may be, and might never break twenty one seconds. So so getting under that, you know, at, at Lakeside is um is a really huge run. Yeah, yeah, no, it was was impressive. So some good action there in the in the twos, the ones, uh, the four hundreds also dished up some good stuff, didn't they? Uh, Louisa uh, just you know looks graceful, looks um, you know poised. Uh, she is a, a good four hundred meter exponent. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting seeing the really different types of four hundred meter runners we have. In that, you know, in uh, Alexia, she she really sort of set sail in that final. Like it, it sort of looked like she was trying to run, you know, 52 something. And whilst it didn't quite work out, you know, she, she, she blew up a little bit maybe in that last hundred, um, you know, hang, hang, sort of that, that thing of hanging on to, to still win the open state title is, is obviously an indicator of just how good she is. But, um, a, a lot of the other sprints sort of, uh, community in attendance did note that it was, it was excellent to see her, I guess, practicing that race pattern of trying to get out you know, that bit harder so that when you do end up in a race with, say, I don't know, an Annalise Ruby or a, or a Bedaria Boyer, you know, you, you don't feel like you haven't tried getting out at that sort of clip before. Uh, yep. So cool to see them practicing that. And inversely as well, you know, and that men's race being so stacked with, you know, five or six guys sort of in the mix, um, you had really different types um, of 400-meter runners in, you know, someone like a, a Will Johns or a Kevin Rasool who get out really, really hard and, and someone like Ross Hine who definitely still gets out quick but, you know, really backs himself over that last 80 metres um, and definitely kept incredible composure whilst surrounded um, swimming into the, the finish line. 
Yeah, no, some very entertaining fours. And as you say, those contrasting styles make, you know, that last 50 metres of a four, just so much can happen there. And, um, yeah. and I think that's one of the beauties of that event. Uh, look, we now look forward to National, Sean. I know that's keeping you a little bit busy at the moment as you start <laughs> to field all those inquiries and start to assemble the team as we go for the full-on Nationals. You know, obviously there was a quite a lot of consternation about what Nationals would be this year, but it is the real deal. Um, some issues, I think, around the, the scheduling I've heard, but look, you know, uh, you know, the athletes just got to get up there and do their thing now, and um, and hopefully yeah, you'll be up there. I assume, Sean, you're going to nationals. Uh, yep, I believe so in in some capacity. Um, but okay, I think cool. it's more we held off a little bit on opening entries just because we are aware that you know it's definitely um, an event that is subject to change. And you know, I know whilst New Zealand's a little bit different. Um, to us with their COVID situation, um, they ended up having to postpone their nationals um, this sort of incoming couple of weeks. Uh, we've seen with some of our other athletic events that they can change pretty rapidly. So I think we just held off for just a little bit to see if there's any changes in that schedule as well that might affect um, some of the decisions as to whether to go up or not um, from you know families and athletes and so on. Um, you know, I know there's a, a series of open and junior events that uh, do seem a little bit squished together in that it's a bit hard to double. Um, and I guess that's because they've had to reduce the timetable and, and things like that. But, yeah, we figured, hey, let's just hold off an extra week or so. No one will miss out. Um, we'll put a ton of information out about it and make sure everyone knows when when, they're, when the portal is going to open up um, on the 12th and, and when it will shut on the on the 22nd. So you'll be, uh, you'll be sick of me by the time we get to the last day of, of entries being open. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's yeah, you know, everyone just get be on the front foot with it. Yes, look, we're still in a, a really uncertain time. Um, you know, we might suddenly have a breakout, a lockdown, and things don't go ahead. We're you know that is just life now. In in you know until the COVID situation really settles down through the vaccination rollout, uh, this is just what we face. And yeah, there's there's winners and losers all over the place due to this. And that's I think we're all well and to be. Yeah, to be to be blatantly honest with people, it's that we had this situation last year, uh, and I don't know if anyone's ever had to manually refund close to five or seven hundred people. Um, <laughs> I don't think many people have. <laughs> it was more just a, a measure, I guess, internally, also for our our poor sort of admin and accounting staff that we weren't going to risk anyone not getting an entry by holding off a little bit if things were to change, but that that refund process is is quite arduous um, if things do get cancelled or, or moved substantially. Yeah, all right. So, um, yeah, we haven't sort of strategised forward yet, Sean, about how, what we'll do for Nationals coverage, but um, I guarantee that we will uh, bring fairly comprehensive coverage. Now, live stream will be operating, obviously, uh, but I think for the podcast we'll try and get some inside stories and uh, with you up there, that uh, I think that makes the job a little bit easier as well. You know, hopefully, maybe even try and get some interviews if we can. Yeah, yeah, we'll um, be on the ground and see what we can pick up. Excellent. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for providing your your wisdom once again on the on the Vic Opens and Junior Championships. It's a, you know a bang bang production here. Episode one, episode two. Hopefully, we're out with a few days, and uh, 
that all of our event groups are feeling pretty well loved. So it is good to, to dive in with the good coaches and, and talk about their particular areas of interest and uh, hopefully we've provided some good insight. You know, one thing, you know, I think I might have said in the last podcast too, even if it's not your event group, have a listen in because the stories and, and some of the um, areas we go into into discussions are very deep discussions and I, I think uh, there's lots of learnings across the event groups. Don't just sort of closet yourself into your area of interest but understand, you know, the, the throws understand the jumps you know both varieties thereof and um you know it's a ours is a complex and uh, multifaceted sport but uh, in some ways that's the beauty of it isn't it yeah i think the the more and more i've tried to learn about uh event groups outside my usual event group uh the more it's given me an interest in watching you know any event that's on in a bit of downtime or, or any event that's on you know, for parents I see or coaches I see where they've got their athlete warming up or, you know, their event's not on for another hour and, you know, you start to realise, oh, hey, I know who that kid is or, oh, I know who that, that thrower is or that jumper is. Oh, I might watch a bit of this. And uh, yeah, I think it just really adds to the time you're going to spend at the track probably regardless with uh, your athletes or your, or your children or your, your mates. Well, interesting little story from the weekend too, I think weekend one, uh, my co-commentator Mitch Dyer went down to cover the high jump and he'd never been at the high jump comp before and he came back absolutely excited about it because he got to understand the strategies around it, you know, the passing and, and those things and the, the height uh, variations when they were moving up and he said he just loved it down there. So, you know, for a middle distance, distance runner to be down there on the mats or right next to the mats and watching it, uh, it just shows you this sport is quite complex but it also is a very fascinating sport when you get into the nitty-gritty of what's actually happening and the action and it's the same for the throws it's the same for the um you know the the horizontal jumps as well uh so it's uh yeah you know it's hard not to love the sport isn't it sean yeah i think at the end of the day everyone's there because they have a, a you know a vested interest in the sport so if you get a kick out of your event group if you learn a little bit about another one odds on you're uh, you're gonna find something you like there as well Yep, and characters you like as well. Lots of them. All right, Sean, we'll wrap it there. So thanks for your time. Uh, and that's a, a wrap on the Victorian Championships for 2020-2021.